This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome into Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. Take you on for an hour here until we turn it over to some Monday night football between the Giants and the Seahawks at MetLife Stadium. It's a weird... Weird feeling today. It's a weird feeling. Toby Altizer with you for the next hour here on 106.7 The Fan. I talked about this leading up to the matchup and that it was a weird week and that it was a 2-1 and football team going up against an undefeated Eagles team and it felt like there was no chance. I think a lot of fans felt like there was no chance. And then there was this weird thing. Maybe it's just the, the fan in me. They show Terry McLaurin in the pregame, like, maybe there's a chance. Maybe. But it still felt like there just wasn't a chance. And then, first drive of the game, they drive it right down the field. They score a touchdown. Okay, there is a chance. And then they end up losing the football game in a pretty heartbreaking fashion in overtime in a situation where there's some heroics late. You've watched the game, so you understand what I'm talking about. But they lost the football game. And they lost the football game not to just any NFL team, but arguably, in my opinion, at least for my money, the second worst team to lose a game to, the only worst one would be the Cowboys. The second to worst is the Philadelphia Eagles. So I just feel weird today that I'm not incensed by a loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. But I think the main reason that we're not on these airwaves today. Obviously, they played a better game than they did in Buffalo. And we could focus on the whole team. That's great. And they did play much better. And they were in that football game. And we can break down the two-point conversion stuff. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We can talk about Emmanuel Forbes. We're going to talk about him next segment. But the main reason that I think so many people today feel good after that game, even though it wasn't a win, even though there were plenty of negatives, honestly, to take away from the game, is number 14, Sam Howell. You have to feel good after watching what this guy did. I mean, let's just reset the scenario real quick. A buck 36 left in the game. You trail by seven. You get the ball at your own 36-yard line. And Sam Howell, with one timeout, marches them down the field and gives them the opportunity to win the football game if they would have gone for two. And I'm not as big on that. I, I understand how Grant and Danny kind of broke it all down, and I think I may be more on Danny's side than on Grant's on that. But either way, they were in that opportunity. They had that chance. They were in that spot. Why? 
because your quarterback had the poise to be able to go down the field and put you in that spot. And that's why I think so many people are encouraged. And then after the game, you hear from Sam Howell. And you can question what he's done on the field so far this season. You cannot question him as a leader. Hearing what he had to say after the game was incredible. Here's some of what Sam Howell had to say after the game. I think I did some good things out there. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we didn't win. Um, and I think it's my job to win football games for this organization and for this team. And we didn't do that today. Um, and so we're, we'll go back this week. Got a short week um, playing on Thursday night. And we're excited for that opportunity. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, I don't believe in moral victories or anything like that. You know, we, we lost the game that we felt like we should have won. I love that mentality. No moral victories. No moral victories. None. Because we feel like we should have won that football game, and we didn't. I love that mentality. Here's a guy that doesn't care what his stats look like. He obviously wants to play well. And, you know, he does a really good job of saying things at the podium. And I'm sure when he goes into the locker room or he's at home at night or he's chatting with his friends or his parents or his girlfriend, you know, he's probably saying some different things. But he acts like a professional. And he handles it so well. And this is a guy that doesn't care about the extra stuff that comes with being a quarterback in the National Football League. He doesn't need you to pat him on the back. He doesn't need you to look at it and say, you saved my fantasy team this week. He doesn't care about any of that. All he cares about is wins and losses. And so for him to come in after a game where he looked really good, he looked really good. You hear national people praising him, 29 for 41, 290 and a touchdown, no interceptions, no turnovers. Yes, he still took five sacks, but this is coming off a game where he gave up nine sacks and had four picks. And he went 290 and a touchdown, no turnovers. That's huge growth. And he comes in and says, yeah, there's there's no moral victories. Yeah, I, you know, I looked a little bit better, but we should have won that football game. I love that mentality from your quarterback where he just wants to win football games and nothing else seems to matter. He's not worried about ending up on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He's not worried about being the positive talk of our radio station all day today because of his heroics. He is in a lot of ways because of what he did on that final drive. But if it would have been he handed the ball off to AG and he took it to the house, he wouldn't care because it's all about winning football games. And I love that from the quarterback position because guess what? This is a guy that gets paid to win football games. This is what his job is. And so many times quarterbacks around the National Football League, they lose sight of that. Your one goal is, is obviously to win football games. That's what you get paid for, and that's what Sam cares about. All the other stuff that comes with it is great and all the popularity, but I love the fact that he's so grounded, he's so humble, and he's a great leader. And then what you saw in the game was absolutely incredible. The way that he went from being a statue in the pocket last week, holding the ball too long, patting it, patting it, patting it, patting it, getting stuck on his first read, and giving up sack after sack after sack, looking a little bit shell-shocked against a really good Buffalo defense. And then he came out against a good Philly front, a good Philly defense, a team that was in the Super Bowl last year, and he wasn't scared in the pocket, and he looked like someone that had learned from week to week. How many times can you say that you've seen growth one week to the next? This is something in the NFL that you just don't see from young quarterbacks Young players in general a lot. We're going to see with Emmanuel Forbes this coming week against Chicago. How does he grow? You know, does does Emmanuel Forbes go from a guy that gave up nine for a buck seventy-five to AJ Brown to having two picks? That's kind of what we saw from Sam Howell this week. 
He didn't go from being a guy that held the ball too long, couldn't get off his first read, throwing interceptions in bad spots, making really bad decisions. He didn't go from that and just marginally improve. This looked like a totally different quarterback. And I think that's what's so encouraging. This is a guy that looks like he's coachable. This is a guy that looks like he wants to be a really good player in this league. And so when he starts the game, he's decisive in the pocket. He's making decisions. He's getting the ball out quickly. He's even getting to the check down. He's taking off and running. He started to look even more comfortable as the game went on. Fourth quarter comes around. He's starting to give up some sacks because the offensive line is struggling against the stout Philly front. What does he do? He doesn't panic back there. He still throws the ball around, but he also starts making plays with his legs. This is a guy that we still have to remember is incredibly young in this league. And so he's still learning on the fly. And he started to settle into that game, and he didn't just forget everything that he built on early in that football game, but he started to add to it. And this is what I talk about a lot with baseball because I have this podcast with Grant, Bustin' Loose Baseball and Odyssey. you got to establish yourself as a big leaguer. Then you can become a really good big leaguer, right? you got to establish yourself as a guy that can play in the league, and then you can take that next step. I think what Sam did in the first half compared to what he did in the second half is just that. What he did in the first half, he was doing the basics of being an NFL quarterback. He was looking through his reads. He was getting the ball out on time. And for the most part, they were efficient on offense. You know what he started doing in the second half when things started to break down? He started to turn into a good NFL quarterback where there's a buck 36 left in the game and he's got to go score a touchdown. They've only got one timeout. He said, you know what? Let's go, boys. We can do it. And he did it in all facets, that entire fourth quarter, using his legs, being creative, throwing the ball to Gibson when he's rolling out to the right. Those sorts of things give you encouraging signs because not only can he be a average NFL QB that can just make the plays that are in front of him, you know, if you can go through your reads, you're already an average to above average NFL quarterback, so congratulations, you love that. But when you can start using your legs, when you can start running around and creating plays in the National Football League, there are not lots of quarterbacks that can do that. And when you can do it and not turn the ball over, there was maybe one play where Sam put the ball in harm's way. And that's one of the few plays that I would nitpick with Sam from this game. He's down at the goal line. He sees a guy coming on a rush, and he panicked a little bit, and he throws the ball up, gets hit. Could have been easily picked off, and that would have been a game changer, or maybe it would change the whole discourse of what we're talking about today. But it ends up not being picked. The only other one that you can nitpick is his throw to Curtis Samuel with five seconds left is a little bit short of the end zone. If that ball's caught, they lose that football game in regulation. We don't have the wonderful moment of him throwing it to dots in the next play. But that's about it. I think that's what's so encouraging is this guy showed you not only can I do the job, but I can do it well, and I can go above and beyond. So it's really encouraging today if you're a fan of Washington seeing that at the quarterback position. But here's the thing. You've got a huge opportunity ahead of you on Thursday. It's a short week. You're not going to be able to put in loads and loads of new stuff. Jay Gruden laid it out with Grant and Danny. You can't just go through and create a whole new game plan that you haven't really worked with all season long. You're kind of running the same stuff. So you have to go out there on Thursday and be effective. If Sam Howell looks like the guy that we saw in week three against Buffalo again, then that's going to be a little bit discouraging. Build off of what you did defensively. Build off of what you've seen early in the season and come out and play well. Please come out and play well. You've got a huge opportunity on Thursday where you were close to beating the NFC champion from last season. Don't you dare come out and lay an egg against Chicago. 
Because if you can stack a good performance against Philly with a dominant win against Chicago, and then you've got Atlanta, and then you've got New York, and then you've got Philly, now you can get the train rolling to a really good season. So there's a lot ahead of this team that I think can really go off of what happened yesterday in Philadelphia. Let's take a break. When we come back, I do want to talk about Emmanuel Forbes. Tough day for the rookie. Can he bounce back this Thursday against Chicago? We'll talk about that next here on 106.7 The Fan. Welcome back. Overtime 106.7 The Fan taking you up to our coverage of Monday Night Football. Seahawks take on the Giants. Go 12s. I'll just say that. <laughs> That'd be nice. Giants off to a bit of a slow start. They don't have Saquon Barkley tonight either, more than likely. So that's going to be an interesting to wa- one to watch. I think the Seahawks should win it. But we're talking about the game against the Birds yesterday. The Commanders fell in overtime. But I think a lot of people feel very positively today. And the reason being is number 14, Sam Howell. It's hard not to feel good. I do want to get into Emmanuel Forbes. He wasn't so hot, but I do want to get Ryan's thoughts. What do you think of Sam Howell? Because it's just a weird feeling today that I'm not all that down on a loss. Usually every loss hurts, especially ones to the Eagles. But because of how Sam Howell played, I'm, I'm pretty upbeat today. Yeah, entering this season, my whole focal point was on Sam Howell. So when people talk about moral victories and everything, typically I'm not like a moral victory guy, like after we lose a game or whatever. Like it sucks. Like these guys aren't playing for having moral victories in this situation. But 2023 was about Sam Howell. And so when you talk about what Sam Howell did yesterday, yesterday was his best game as a pro. And if you even look back at the Denver game, he may have some better numbers there and less mistakes overall. But even then, Sam Howell's going up against a very good defense and also seeing what Denver's defense, they give up 70 points to the Dolphins as well as yesterday against the Chicago Bears and what they did. So I think Sam Howell was actually really impressive with what he was kind of given, which is not the best over personal personnel when it comes to this offensive line and the play calling's a little iffy here and there, but I thought Sam Howell looked really good and so... I'll take yesterday as a win, in my opinion. What was your, what were you most encouraged with, with what he did? So for me, I love the fact that he looked like a totally different guy in that first half. He was decisive. He went through his reads. He got rid of the football on time. He wasn't taking sacks. And he looked like a guy that had been coached up all week and held on to that coaching in the game. How about for you? What was the most encouraging spot? Honestly, some of the most encouraging things that I saw from him was just extending the plays and also coming back to it, his quickness on things like he just kind of made his reads went to his number one target and just kind of kept it conservative in which is the good thing to do right now it's only your what fourth fifth start in the NFL like this is kind of the thing that you have to do keep it simple for yourself keep the chains moving I think Sam Howell did exactly that but also showing his legs getting some big first sounds a couple times here and there that's what I think I saw with Sam Howell yesterday that's kind of what I saw with Sam Howell's as a whole back from his UNC days. So it's kind of nice to see him use that and use that skill set that he hasn't really done in the NFL, but he used it yesterday. So I like that. Yeah, and I thought EB did a really good job with the game plan. And I think something that's maybe not talked about enough is the fact that this is a guy that was sacked nine times against Buffalo, and he still looked poised in the pocket against an even better front of Philadelphia. And he just looked comfortable in the pocket doing his thing. And that's a credit to Sam Howell because that is not an easy job. 
to stand in the pocket knowing these dudes are coming for you after a week where you got hit relentlessly by all types of dudes. And so it's a credit to EB for finding a way to neutralize that Philly front, not allowing them to just tee off on him, not having him back there doing five and seven step drops, getting the ball out. But it's a credit to Sam for doing the game plan, making sure that you go out there and execute. And so I was really encouraged by Sam Howell. The guy that was a little bit concerning yesterday was Emmanuel Forbes. Now, some people are just freaking out about this guy today, saying, oh, they really screwed up, and oh, man, this guy's a bum. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, He definitely had a bad game. Corners in the National Football League have bad football games. Even the best ones struggle. And that's the nature of the position. It's so difficult. You can be good all day long, and you give up two or three big plays, which he gave up more than that. But you get my point. You can give up two or three big plays, and all of a sudden you had a bad day. It's it's similar to offensive line in some ways and, and quarterback, where you can have just a handful of plays dictate a relatively good afternoon. You have a few bad plays. All of a sudden you go down as having a poor game. Forbes really struggled against A.J. Brown. I do want to talk about this, though, because this is why this draft decision was going to be broken down a lot. Christian Gonzalez was sitting on the board, and you know the guys that you have to face. One of those guys is A.J. Brown, and the first time he had to face the rookie in Emmanuel Forbes, nine receptions, 175 yards, and two touchdowns. Not a great look to start, but he's going to have an opportunity to bounce back on Thursday. I want to talk more about the rookie Forbes next on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Final half hour of overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer with you up until we turn it over to our coverage of Monday Night Football. I want to talk about Emmanuel Forbes. Tough game for the rookie. Nine receptions, 175 yards, and two touchdowns for A.J. Brown, who Emmanuel Forbes followed most of the game. I like the fact that they trusted him. I do like that but maybe not against A.J. Brown. You know, this is why I think you could dissect this pick. I think it was either going to be Forbes or Gonzalez. Gonzalez, I don't think anyone expected to be there at pick number 16. He ended up being there. They still went with Emmanuel Forbes, part of the reason being they wanted some playmaking. So you've seen a little bit of it, but you've still got to see a little bit more. But again, it's four games, so I don't want to get too crazy here. But this is why, if you're against it, I can understand. You're going to face off against a couple of guys in your division you know every single time you face off against these guys six times a year. There's not really anyone on the Giants you have to worry about, so you didn't have to necessarily think about that. But the guys that you had to think about were A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and C.D. Lamb. And when you drafted Emmanuel Forbes, I just never thought that he was going to match up well with A.J. Brown. Maybe he could match up with Devontae Smith, both kind of slender guys. And Devontae Smith has generally done really well against this team. A.J. Brown hasn't played against this team nearly as much, and he looked spectacular yesterday, but we hadn't necessarily seen it against this football team yet. He obviously showed that he can do it, which I think we all knew. But Devontae Smith had generally been the guy that would take advantage of playing Washington, and he still had a good game as well, but not nearly the game A.J. Brown had. But when I thought 
you draft a guy like Emmanuel Forbes, A.J. Brown was the kind of guy that I was scared of him trying to cover. And we didn't necessarily have to see A.J. Brown use his physicality to win against Forbes, which I think you could definitely see in another matchup if Forbes learns a little bit and he's able to play a little stickier coverage. Because let's be honest, a lot of the throws to A.J. Brown when Forbes was on him, he was just playing beat. Just playing beat. Like, it it didn't matter that A.J. Brown is a more physical receiver. He was just already in a wide-open space. Jalen Hurts puts it on him. There was nothing that anyone could do, whether they were a small guy, big guy. They They just weren't in the same area code. But this is why I think you can still dissect that pick a little bit. I'm not saying they made the wrong pick, but this is why you open yourself up to some criticism. So we'll see what ends up happening. But I wanted to see how he looked up against these guys, and he's obviously got some growing to do. And he's going to have a chance on Thursday to bounce back. But if we look back, this is where I thought it was interesting. Early in the season, first week of the year, Emmanuel Forbes played 65% of the snaps. Then in week two, he played about the same amount of snaps when he played 67%. Last week was interesting because he hardly played comparatively. He only ended up playing against Buffalo on 41% of the snaps, only played 28. And I feel like if you're bringing in a guy where you've already had a solid defense, which might not be the case so far for this team, but last year I would say... They were solid. When you bring in a guy like Forbes, you're bringing him in for playmaking. If they were looking for a true shutdown corner, just the stereotypes, right, the archetypes of guys that you would expect, you would have taken a guy like Christian Gonzalez. If you were just looking for a really solid defense and you were looking on paper to create a defense that everyone kind of fits into their role and you wanted the lockdown, shutdown, number one corner, you would have taken Christian Gonzalez. They didn't go that route. Why? Because they felt like they already had a solid defense. You've got Benjamin St. Juice. He fits a little bit into that role. Maybe he's not a true number one, but he's a lanky corner. He can cover some of the bigger receivers. You've still got Kendall Fuller for this season. So they ultimately went with the guy who they believe could create some plays. My issue with him not being on the field against Buffalo as much is how can a guy intercept the ball and make plays if he's not on the field? He was on the field for week four. This is maybe the most encouraging thing if you're an Emmanuel Forbes truther. The fact that he played the amount of snaps that he did, he played 92% of the snaps. That's by far the most, and it's probably against the best football team at this point unless you want to argue the Bills. So he played 92%. He's following A.J. Brown around. It shows that there's some trust. It shows that he's showing well in Ashburn. During the week, it's showing that they believe in him coming out of training camp because it's still early in the year. So they believe in this guy enough to put him on A.J. Brown. Now, maybe that's faulty logic. Maybe that's bad coaching. Whatever the case may be, at least they've seen good things out of him. So don't give up on Forbes yet. Don't do that. But ultimately, what's going to come down to being the, the way that you can justify taking Forbes over Gonzalez if you're Ron Rivera, is this guy has to come out here and play well against the guys in your own division. When you draft guys, you have to think about trying to win your own division. You play six games against them every single year. And like I said, for the Giants, it's not like there's any receivers that you're watching to say, oh, we need to draft a guy to match up against this guy because they don't have any. But CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, when you're drafting a corner in the draft, those guys should be 
in the thought process of who you would draft. And so when Forbes matches up against a guy like AJ Brown and he goes nine for a buck seventy-five and two touchdowns, it's not a good start. But I think this is just a learning point for the rookie. I love the fact that he's showing some emotion on the sideline. He's a guy that wants to be good. And you could see as the game started to go on just a little bit, he started to figure it out just slightly. Then he gets beat on the double move. It's just, it takes a while. It does. A corner for the longest time in the National Football League has been one that takes usually longer than other positions. Really, with the exception of a guy like Sauce Gardner, it takes a little while for corners to get accustomed because guys in the National Football League, they know the little ins and outs. They know the little subtle movements. The wide receivers know the little things they can get away with. They know what fakes out young corners. They know all these things. They've been doing it much longer at a higher level, and this is what they do. This is what they get coached on all offseason long. And so they just have more experience. Emmanuel Forbes got baptized on Sunday by a guy that I think is a top five wide receiver in the National Football League. So that's not surprising. Any young corner, if you would have thrown any rookie corner out there, I don't care if it's Christian Gonzalez, I don't care if it's Devin Witherspoon, I don't care if it were Sauce Gardner last year, four weeks into his career, it's a good chance that A.J. Brown's going to have a pretty good game against that guy, especially a guy that I still just don't like the matchup to begin with. If you told me that Emmanuel Forbes, just as skinny as he is, as small as he is, would have to face off against a tank that can run a 4-4 in A.J. Brown, I wouldn't like that matchup ever, much less when he's still learning his technique, when he's still learning the tricks of the trade. So I wouldn't give up on Emmanuel Forbes, not one bit. I still think that you've seen flashes all throughout training camp. You saw flashes at points during games. Now, another thing that he needs to do, You were drafted to be a playmaker. You were drafted to pick the ball off. Why did this defense struggle last season? It wasn't really, at times, because of being unsound. There were some times where there were blown coverages, but for the most part, the reason they struggled is every single possession ended with a punt, and so the offense ended up backed up. You need interceptions. You need plays made. That's why they drafted Forbes over Gonzalez, and you can't tell me otherwise. That's why they drafted Emmanuel Forbes. So when you have opportunities to make plays on the football, he needs to start making them. He's had one interception. That's awesome. But you're a guy that's supposed to pick off multiple balls a season. There were some opportunities in the other games. Make those plays. He's young. Again, it's being a little bit hard on the guy, but that's why you were brought in. So find ways to make the plays when they're in front of you. I think that goes for the entire football team. He's not the only one. There are other guys on this team that have had balls right in their hands. Percy Butler's had a ball in his hands. Cam Curls had balls go right through his hands. So I'm not saying overall that I'm just picking on the rookie, but this defense has struggled to make plays. You drafted a guy that was the best playmaker at the cornerback position in the draft. You're going to need for him to start coming up and making some plays. He's going to have an opportunity on Thursday, and I think that's ultimately what it looks like for Thursday's game. A lot of these guys, you have an opportunity. You looked really good against Philadelphia, ends up being a loss. You're going against arguably the worst team in football. Don't ever give them a chance. Step on their throat in the first quarter and just keep going from that point forward. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. We'll talk a little bit more about the defense, and we'll preview the Monday night matchup between the Seahawks and Giants next year on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Final segment here, 106.7 The Fan. 
Before we turn it over to some Monday Night Football between the Seahawks and the Giants, I want to talk about the defense as a whole. A little bit concerned about how they've played early in this season. And I think someone brought up a really good point talking about the edge rushers on this football team and Montez Sweat, Chase Young. They're guys that can do the job, they can get pressures, but they're not difference makers. And we just haven't seen enough of that. We saw some for Montez Sweat in the opening game against Arizona, and that's good. My thing is, I need to see those carry over into big games against Buffalo, against Philly, and they just haven't. That was a great sack by Chase in the Philly game yesterday. Probably his best rush we've seen maybe since his rookie year. I, I can't recall anything like that, but against a guy like Jordan Mailata, up against a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, hard to bring down. Fantastic play. But we haven't seen enough of those sorts of things for me to think that at the end of this season, when those guys are going to be commanding a lot of money, and you're already paying a lot at the defensive tackle position, so theoretically they should be benefiting from those defensive tackles inside already for production on the field. I just don't know that I can bring back one, or definitely not both. I don't know that I can bring back either one for the money that they're going to command because of the fact that I need you to make plays. And I understand you're not going to go out there and get 10, 12 type sack seasons all the time, especially when you're playing good football teams. But I, congratulations, you had a good game against the Cardinals. You don't play the Cardinals 17 times. You're going to play teams like the Philadelphia Eagles. And guess what? The teams like the Philadelphia Eagles are the teams you're going to meet in the playoffs. And if I'm paying an edge rusher, let's say $18 million a year, I've seen Spotrac kind of project that to be around the, the contract that maybe a Chase or a Montez could get. If you're paying an edge rusher $18 million a year, I need you to show up against the Arizonas. I need you to show up against Denver. I need you to show up against Buffalo. I need you to show up against Philly. Because the two teams that you've played the last two weeks, you haven't done a whole lot. You haven't been very noticeable. And those are the types of teams that you play in January and in February. And I can't be paying a guy $18 million to disappear once the regular season ends. I just can't. Just being honest. You know, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, I believe those guys will show up and play in January. They're going to make plays in January and February if the commanders got to that point. I believe in them. I don't believe in Chase and Montez to do that. I'd love to be proven wrong. I hope they go out and dominate this week. But again, congratulations. You did it, you did it against the Chicago Bears. And I'm not belittling wins. I've talked about this before. Winning football games in the National Football League is hard. So I'm not trying to belittle it. But my point is, you got to do it against the Chicago's. You got to do it in a couple weeks against Philly again. You've got to do it when you face off against the Dallas Cowboys. You've got to do it late in the year when you face off against the San Francisco 49ers. I can't just have you picking week to week. I need you to be good at all times or at least make an impact. And I just feel like I haven't seen that. The linebacker position, still very suspect. It's just this defense needs to step up because we talked before the season that what this season was going to be was early on, it was going to have to ride on the backs of the defense and the offense would catch up eventually because it's a new quarterback, it's a new offensive coordinator. And outside of the Buffalo game, and even in the Buffalo game, it's felt like the offense has been maybe a little bit ahead. 
I get that if you want to look at the Buffalo game and say it was a 16 to nothing game going into the fourth, I get that the the offense really struggled against Buffalo. And, you know, at, at times in other games, the defense has not been great and it has been really good at other points. I get all of that. But this defense that you talk about four first-rounders on the defensive line, you're supposed to go out there and make plays. You're supposed to go out there and win football games. Deron Payne against Denver comes out, has his own possession where he forces the three and out. Where's that against Philly? I get that Philly's offensive line is good. I get that Philly's a good football team. Guess what? You were drafted in the first round. You're not supposed to just be good against the bad players because guess what? I can draft those guys in the fourth and fifth round. If I draft you in the first round, you're supposed to be good against the bad teams, the average teams, and the good teams. You might not win as much against the good teams, but you should still win. Why do I feel like there weren't a whole lot of winning scenarios for that defense against Philly yesterday? There just weren't. I thought that overall, the game plan was not great. I like the fact that they sold out to stop the run, and I think they did a decent job of that. But outside of that, there wasn't a whole lot that I liked defensively. So again, I've said this multiple times. I talked about it with Sam. I talked about it with Forbes. I'm talking about it with the defense here. You're going up against arguably the worst team in football on Thursday night. You're going up against a quarterback that has only had one good half of football all season long, and it was against the team that you put 35 up on and gave up 70. You cannot, cannot let them get in a rhythm offensively. You just can't do it. You've got to go out there and dominate. Huge opportunity for this football team on Thursday. I believe they're going to get it done, but they've got to go out there and show it. First quarter, take advantage of a turnover, make a play, get up on the scoreboard, and never let up. Never let the Bears feel like they have a chance in that football game. Real quickly, Monday Night Football, Seahawks-Giants. Ryan, what you got? I I got Seahawks winning by, let's say, uh, I got them by a touchdown. We'll give a touchdown. I got the Seahawks. I'm going to go by 13 then. I'm wow, going to say okay. 13, like 27. Uh, well, actually, we'll go 28 to 15. I think a two-point conversion to mixed 15. in. We'll go, um, what did I say, seven. Let's go 24-4. Uh, that's not. 24-17. I'm trying to do math here. That's going to do it for us here on Overtime 106.7. The Fan, appreciate Ryan for sticking around. I'm Toby Altizer saying goodbye. Keep it right here on The Fan. Monday Night Football next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love. Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.